Audio Jungle. It is not by chance that we are here, I believe. Well, so long as you are here, be via a call or whatever reason or whatever thing brought you here, just know that um, you were led here by the Spirit of God. Amen. 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 Thank you, Father, for your word come to life. Amen. Amen. So today, God wants to speak to each and every one of us. As a matter of fact, He wants to speak to our hearts today. God wants to speak to every wound, every pain, every hurt, every shame, every worry, and every fear. God told me He wants to speak to all of that. Amen. For so long, we... We have um, for so long believed that um, in this um, popular saying that says, time heals wounds. You know, people tell you, tell you that, oh, don't worry, time, you know, over time, your wound will be healed, or whatever pain will go, over and stuff like that, stuff like that. But I beg to disagree. As a matter of fact, I believe that time does not heal wounds. Time only changes your focus to another thing. Amen. So time, do not, time doesn't heal wounds in any way. It only changes your focus to another area, another thing. Amen. So most people have that belief for so, have had that belief for so long that oh, time, you know, time will tell and time will heal the wound. And then over time, they think the, the wound has been healed because they become, you know, they are more lively. They can smile. They can do this and do that and all, and all sorts. But someone mentioned... Or someone just remind them of what caused the wound in the first place. Boom. There's an eruption of emotions attached to that, um, that thing that caused the wound in the first place. Amen. Most people are like this. Most are uh, 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 Christians, even unbelievers. And um, God says he wants to talk to every pain, every shame, every hurt, every worry, Every despair, every, every, every uh, 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 depression. As a matter of fact, God wants to focus on depression today. Amen. God wants to focus on depression with its roots, condemnation. God wants to handle condemnation today. Amen. Amen. <sighs> depression. This word is a word that has been widely used today, broadly. You know, everyone is, at one point, this is, it's... Now, depression is a thing that it looks like people, every youth of this modern time and day have to go through. It is become, it's now becoming a norm to feel depressed at one time or the other. Amen. But I strongly believe that it was not, or it is not the will of God for us to be depressed. But it has almost become a norm, a normal thing. Not, not like it, everybody sees it as a really bad thing, but still, every, it is almost like something that everyone, every youth, would have to go through at some point in their lives. Depression. Depression. Amen. Amen. Have you ever wondered that, um, in the actual sense, what causes depression? You know, what is the real reason we have depression? Why does, you know, why does this thing really happen, you know? What, why is, why, what, someone might ask, why am I depressed? Someone who's, who's currently in it, you ask, why am I depressed? Someone who is probably not in it but can ask, why is that depression? Amen. Ah, uh, depression. Anxieties, fear, worries, and the likes. See, there's a story of there's a story I read recently of two young um, teenagers. If I'm not mistaken, they were teenagers, and then one, they are both different. They didn't know each other at this point, so I'm taking the story from one, which is the boy. It's about um, is he 16 or 18? I can't really remember. But yeah, he was about that age. It was in the U.S. By the way, this report was given by C by CNN. It was in the 90s. 
Now, the, um, the boy, there was this popular artist in, in the country. I think it was R&B or rock. I can't remember his um, genre. But it was a really popular artist, you know. And um, this boy so idolized this artist and, um, you know, so loved the artist, you know, loved all of his songs. You know, people like this, they have their songs and albums. And then, you know, they, then it was, um, uh, uh, they used, uh, what's it called? Uh, okay, I've forgotten the name, but I think it's called a music box. I can't remember. That's what they used to play music with. They didn't have DVDs and um, and um, ports and um, iPods or something that we have now. And they don't have, you know, we don't have port being like we do have. But they had something, and which was it was this, you know, those real really big cassettes, you know, cassettes. They call them album discs. Those were those were the things they had then. So this. Boy, you know, so idolized this man. It took him more like a father, a god. It took this artist, his everything, his life also. So, a time came where sadly the artist died. The artist, you know, he passed on. And this boy was so, you know, the boy was so sad, so sad that the boy entered the depression zone you know he was he became depressed instead to think the young boy started to think about things think about life and there was a girl like i was about to say i said a boy and a girl so there was this girl she she grew up from this family a normal family but you know she had the girl had problems and the problems the girl had was um nowhere Martha. You know, she felt, you know, she was always lonely. And she take note of the signs of depression, loneliness. She was, all, she was always lonely, you know, always, you know, stay indoors and the likes and stuff. You know, she wasn't really an outside, out, um, yeah, outside person. She wasn't really going out, didn't really have much friends. You know, she, she, she became isolated. And um, one way or the other, those two teenagers met. They became friends. Now listen, the boy is depressed, the, the girl is depressed, they are both depressed and they became friends. Listen to this. Not quite long, the both of them came to a conclusion that death is their friend. Not an enemy or something that cuts their life short, but as if it, they, they, they concluded that death is actually a friend. This is a real life story. You can check it on CNN. And they're like, they concluded that death is a friend. So over time, over time, over time, just one day, these two teenagers, they, you know, they were on their bicycles and um, they got to a point, they dropped their bicycles and they each hiked, means they walked down, uh, down the road, up, uh, up until they got to, sorry, down until they got to um, the edge of a cliff. And they both, you know, just, just, I think they drew, if I'm not mistaken, like a love sign, I can't remember. They held their hands together and they jumped. Amen. They jumped from a cliff. Cliffs are usually high. They committed suicide. And they had the belief that death was their friend. Depression. Really, I, 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 I think that um, this depression topic of a thing is something that um, I myself... I'll share a few stories with you guys. There was the time 2000, uh, uh, what was it, 2018 or so? I think it was 2018. I remember myself, I was in my local church. We had this, you know, I was in the, uh, the um, media department. And right there in the department, we had a glitch in the sense that we had some errors, system errors and some kind of errors. And um, unfortunately, I was not taking, start listening to this. Number one, I was not the HOD, I meaning I wasn't the leading or leader of the unit. I was just a normal member or staff, whichever you call it. I was just a normal guy in the department. But I was the one, so during the glitch, we had an invited guest and he made some complaints concerning the glitch in our system and our. Um, uh, what's it called, procedure of work or something. And the moment he said, number one, when the glitch happened, I was not happy. Now this is it. This is another sign. 
I was not happy immediately it happened. So I just stood where I was and I was, you know, trying not to talk to anybody, just trying to, you know, my heart, you know, just trying to make sure everything works. And guess what happened? The pastor complained about the glitch and every focus was just fell on me immediately. People started looking at me, everybody started calling me. At that point, I just shut, I just kept my mouth shut. I didn't say anything. But immediately I felt so bad deep within me. Deep within me, I felt so bad. Even after the service, I remember some pastors came to me and they were talking to me and um, I wasn't just replying to them, I just watched, I was just looking at them, you know. They, they came, by the way, they, what they were trying to say to me was out of honesty, they didn't mean any harm. But the, my mental state at that point was somewhat depressed. So whatever thing they said to me at that point was only going to make it worse. Amen. So over time, Amen. Amen. Uh, <laughs> all right. So over time, that night, I just I remember going, getting home. I wasn't talking to anybody. I just went home straight that night. Went into my room. I fell on my bed. I didn't talk to anybody. Now listen, my heart was really heavy. My heart it looked like I was going to shed, shed tears that day. I just fell on my bed, laid down on my bed, flat, with, you know, with, Heaviness, with heaviness of heart. And before I, before I knew it, I started, to shed, I started to weep, you know, started shedding tears. I didn't know what to say at that point. But this is the only thing I said. God, you know my heart. Father, help me. This was, my, this was the only thing. That, that, was, that was the only thing I was able to say that day. Father, help me. And... He did help me. As a matter of fact, he helped me in a very spontaneous and unexpected way. I now just listen to this. I remember calling someone, or was it a call or a text? I can't remember the following day or that night, and telling the person what I was going through that night. Because I, I told the person, I remember telling the person I felt a little, you know, I felt depression a little bit, and um, I felt, you know, I felt it this way. I felt this was what I was feeling. I did not call it depression, because at that point, I would not lie. I did not really know that it was depression. Because I felt this great heaviness in my heart. I didn't know where to turn to. I didn't know who to turn to. I didn't know where to go. I remember texting this person. And this person told me, oh, okay. It was a female, by the way. This person told me, oh, okay. Um, probably we just, um, probably we just, um, you, you, you will meet somewhere. Uh, this, during the week, we talk and the likes. And I was like, okay. For the record, she never called back. She never texted back for that, on that matter. But yet, I'm out of it. How did I come out of it? Is what God wants to show us today. Not just me. How will you come out of that long, unattended to and unhealed wounds? That's what God wants to show us today. Amen. Amen. When depression sets in, here's what, here are the things that happen. When depression sets in, when, you, when those wounds, you know, wounds of, uh, of, long, of long pain, when they come, sometimes those wounds come because of we've lost someone. You know, we, we lost someone, we lost something so dear to us. Those are our wounds, you know, someone hurts you, someone who is so dear to you hurts you. Someone breaks your heart. Someone lied about you, lied against you. These things really break, you know, they are heartbreaking, heart shattering. They just shatter your heart like glass on the floor. But what is God telling us today? See, yesterday I was, I was praying and I was, you know, I was inquiring of the Lord what He has for His people today. And I asked that... Um, I asked, what is, the, what, what is the real reason or what is the real uh, uh, message behind what he has told me? What is he, what's the tr- true thing he wants to say? So now here is, um, I'm not supposed to read this now. I'm supposed to read this. At, okay, okay I'll, tell you, I'll tell you what he said. I'll tell you what he said later towards the end. But here's the thing. 
Here's what the, here's what these things do. You know, people. I don't know if you've ever thought about it. I, there's a time in my life I was so you know so sad. Some bad stuff have really happened to me as a child of God. I believe this thing shouldn't happen to me. Come on, I'm a child of God. This this bad occurrence. I shouldn't be the one that this should be happening to. That was what was in my mind. Come on, God. I would, I would lie, I would sit in my room, sit up at, in the middle of the night and start shedding tears. <clears throat> Excuse me. I remember, I remember one night I, I had a dream and in the dream I was, I was weeping in my dream. I woke up with tears in my eyes and I could not even stop it. Wounds. These are deep wounds that time cannot heal. Time cannot heal these wounds. I would wake up, you know, people who are in depression, what did they do? They wake up or they, they stay in the corner of their room. They go to, they, see, depression sets you in a corner. That's what it does. The devil uses depression to set you in a corner of the room. And usually when, you're, when people are depressed, when they want to think, I don't, even, I'm, I, I, I don't know if I'm the only one, but statistics have shown that they love to do it when the light is off. No one likes a room where there's light and, and they are weeping, even if there's nobody around. They'll turn the light off, stay in the corner of the room and start to weep. I don't know if you ever thought of it, that why do I actually do this? No, you just, even if you, even as a child, a child in your young age, you want to shake, you want to cry. You love to, you prefer burying your face in your pillow. Instead of just sitting up and just shedding tears. Like anybody, like anybody it's not as if you expect anyone to come into the room. But why is it that we love to do it in darkness? That's what the devil does. Depression, you know, sets you in a corner. And this gloomy, thick darkness, that's what the devil does. It just encapsulates you in it. And another thing the devil does is, the devil, you know, he, he, he isolates you from people. The devil removes you from the groups of people, group of people who can help you. It makes you feel they are of no, of no good right now. You know, it just sets you aside, sets you apart from everybody. You know, just puts you in that corner, in the corner of that room. Helpless. The devil puts you in the corner of that room. Hopeless. The devil puts you in the corner of that room without any slight hope of a better tomorrow. The devil makes you introspective. Now, this is not just for unbelievers alone. This, this happens to believers. This happens to everybody. So that's what the devil does. That's what the devil wants. He sets you in the corner of the room. He wants you to keep thinking about your life. I've had people tell me to my face, point accusing, point fingers to my face and tell me that you are a failure. That's what the devil reminds you of why you are seated in that corner of the room. That you are a failure. You cannot make it. You know, amongst those who can make it, that making it is not for you. You see, you've tried so hard. You've tried with all your might and strength. But you see, you did not make it. The devil reminds you of the fact that you have failed. That's all he does. That's all the devil does. Over and over and over again. Bible says the devil is an accuser of the brethren. So what does he do? He, he raises accusation even against you. <clears throat> so what do you do even in those times? You're, you're, you're not, you become really introspective. Even you start to look within you for answers. You start to look within you for the problem, sorry. You know, when, you are, when people are going through things like this, you start asking, you know, the how question, the, the, the why question. Amen. How did I get here? Or how did, how did this happen? You know, like, like the other day I had the glitch in my local church. I asked myself, how did it happen? Why does it have to be me? Why does it have to happen to me? That's what the devil does. It makes you ask the how question, the why question. Why me? Why me? The moment you start asking such questions, you don't find answers. Why me? And that's what the devil does. It makes you ask questions that you will not get answers to. For you to feel like God is not listening to you. Amen. That's what the devil does. It makes you, like I said, it makes you ask questions that you cannot get answers to. For you to feel like God is not listening to you. I had what you, what you might call, or you can call, um, uh, a mental pause. <laughs> I don't know if I should call it a mental breakdown, but it was more like a mental pause. 
and one time, like, and it was so bad, I felt everybody had turned against me. I felt I lost, I lost my friends, I lost my family members, I thought I'd lost everything and everyone. As a matter of fact, I thought more that I had lost myself. I was telling someone recently, I once, there was a day I was walking on the road whilst, whilst heading to school and then just walking on the road, there was this big truck coming and it, it, it all came to my mind that why not just jump in front of the truck? I've never said this before, so you might be shocked when you, as you just heard it. But that thought came to my mind. Why don't you just jump in front of the truck? <laughs> take your life. Come on, bro. Take your life. Those, you know, it, it is... At that point, I thought, why does it have to be me? You know, you can open your mouth and tell people of, the, of, the, of these things that are happening to you. But not like they are not happening. They are happening for crying out loud. They happen. Christians suffer depression. And what makes it worse is that even our pastors in church are not church in our churches rather are not helping matters. They make you feel condemned. See, the root of all depression, fear, worry, anxiety, doubt, the root of all of this, people think that the root of it is stress. Stress has plays a part of plays a part in it. Stress does. But in that core sense, condemnation is the root. When you listen to people who make you feel condemned, when you listen to people who, who tell you or who condemn you in their speeches, in their language, the manner they, uh, at which they act to you, you feel condemned. Amen. Amen. Take for example, you, you lost something, you lost money, and, um, or, or, okay, you lost a job. Take for example, a, a husband lost his job, or a boy lost his job, he's about to get married. And um, his marriage is just in a few weeks, and a few weeks to his marriage, he lost his job. Then the people around him, his friends, right, they start to move back, start to move back, and um, probably he did something to lose his job. Start, his friends start to move back, probably um, maybe, maybe went late to work that day. He was feeling a little bit healed, you know, he was just... Um, Lying in bed, he, he was unsure of, of going to work. Network was real bad. He couldn't call anybody to tell them that he wasn't going to come to work that day. And so it just happened against his favor, and he lost he lost his job. And then people around him start <coughs> excuse me start pointing fingers to him. You're a lazy man. Your laziness cost you your job. Amen. They say things like you're a lazy man. Your laziness cost you your job. You know you're so sloppy. You're so this and that and this and that and this and that. That's what they tell you know. And the person immediately starts to feel stress because the person wants to just, you know, the person wants to redeem himself of everything they have said. And they also, you know, just to redeem his, his name, his position, and redeem the fact that he's about to get married and even his wife-to-be is not even paying attention to him and all of that. In a bid to redeem himself of all of those troubles and struggles, stress sets in. And gradually, gradually, and gradually, and gradually, depression, depression. Then he said, you know, depression, you start to do things in depression, in that corner of the room, right? When depression sets in, in that corner of the room, I don't know if I'm the only one, but you make, some, you make resolves, that is, you make resolutions in that corner of the room. But I don't know if I'm the only one, but resolutions, the resolutions you make in the corner of the room, are never right. As a matter of fact, they are one of the most stupid resolutions you can ever make. Sometimes you make a resolution, resolution um, probably what sent you into that corner of the room is because you did something you had sworn you would never do. So what takes you, so the resolutions people like that make in the corner of the room, I'm, 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 uh, I've, I've gone through something like this before, something similar. Yeah, things like, I would never use the, use, an inter, use the internet again. I would never use Google. I will never turn on the television. I will never, if I, all my life, I will never use the internet. The house I will build in the future will have no internet. I will live in the bush. I will only, if anybody wants to call, they can call me via landline. Really stupid resolutions. Amen. Amen. That's what people do. You make the most stupid resolutions in that corner. 
And when you come out of it and God saves you, you, know, you look back at yourself and you'll be like, I made those real stupid things. No matter how intelligent a man is, why do you think people resolve taking their own lives? It is because in, in depression, there's, there's this really dark, gloomy cloud of fear, of uncertainty. That is what the devil feeds you. Just, just like the way a dog is. When a dog misbehaves sometimes, at least for Nigerians, they tie the dog down or chain it down. Do not let it, they don't feed it for probably a day or two. Now, when, when you're, get, you want, okay, okay, I think the punishment is okay. It's learning, it's, le it's a lesson gradually. You, you, you put food in a plate or whatever thing you give it, you push the food to him. Right? You just push it to him. That's the same way most of us, right? That's the way most of us are fed by the devil, even in those times. Amen. That's the same way most of us are fed, are fed, are fed, even in those times. The devil feeds our minds with the wrong foods. Amen. He feeds people, people who are in the corner, who are in that corner of the room, of their rooms rather, depressed and all. The devil feeds them with foods such as suicide, foods of, 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 of you know, stay away from people, foods like take your life, take your life, God doesn't love you, take your life, God doesn't love you. That's what he does. That's the kind of food he gives. It treats us like a dog. It makes us feel that God is punishing us by most of the things we experience and go through. Depression is a really bad thing, and um, it is so sad that um, people do not. People are going through all of this. My 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 heartfelt prayer to everyone listening, everyone here, that is at one point or the other, at one you know, one junction where they start to have doubts concerning their faith, doubts concerning themselves. I pray that the light of God falls upon them in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. See, when, when we are going through phases like this, we tend to look at other people for answers. You are depressed, you try to look at other, you know, you, try, you, know, you just want people to just talk to you. Sometimes, sometimes though, not like stage one, stage one test or something. You want people to just talk to you. You want people to, you know, you want people's help help rather you want people to just assist you in some kind of way you want you just want people to help you that's what people do people who are depressed that's what they want you know they want you need someone to help, someone's help but in the actual sense god doesn't want you looking at each people at people around you see the moment you keep looking um, horizontally sorry for help you want to start you keep looking horizontally for help help will never come the moment you keep looking horizontally to other people, your neighbor, look at your neighbor in your front, look at the neighbor behind you, look at your, your, the person standing by your side, your left, your right. The moment you keep looking horizontally, you will never find answers. The only answer, the only way you can get answers, rather, rather is when you learn to look up. Vertically. Say, look up. Say, look up. Say, look up. God wants you to look up. I was doing a study and um, I, I did a study of the Greek, uh, um, uh, what's it called, Greek uh, definition and interpretation of the word depressed. Amen. Amen. To be depressed in the Greek means it's, it's, um, it's a word called tapenos, ta sorry, tapenos. That's T-A-P-E-I-N-O-S. Tapenos. Nos. Number one, it says, listen to this. The first definition says, not rising far from the ground. Amen. Amen. Not rising far from the ground. The second definition, so powerful, says, as a condition, lowly, of, of low degree. That's low esteem. In depression, people are low esteem. The third definition is brought low with grief. You know, you feel so bad you've done something wrong. You, you feel so bad, oh, you have sinned a lot and God cannot forgive you and the likes and the likes and the likes. 
in group setting, you start to condemn yourself. Even more, depression sets in. You condemn yourself. Yourself. Amen. Amen. Lowly in spirit. This is even for believers. Lowly in spirit. Sometimes we this is this is true. In fact, before the service, someone was talking to me, and he was like, "This, this were his exact words." He said, "Just yesterday, he just felt somehow in the spirit. You know, he felt so. This is the word: depressed in his spirit. That's what depression is. Lonely in spirit. You know, your your spirit is not it's not lifted. You feel so somehow downcast in your spirit. You know. Amen." Now, another, and this is the final definition, according to, um, I think it's, this is according to NC, NCSB, sorry, NSCB, sorry. It means, in a bad sense, deporting oneself abjectly, deferring servility to others. That's servility here means an excess willingness to serve or please others. Sometimes we are so depressed, the only thing that comes to our mind is, how to make others happy at the expense of our own joy. Amen. Amen. But that's one of the, the, the ways through which depression sets in. You know, people try to make others happy. You try to please others. Amen. See, I, I, don't, I don't know of any other speaker or preacher or whatever thing, but here's my own take. You can never please everybody. I heard something this afternoon. I'm going to say it again. Even Christ did not come to please everybody. Christ came to save. Whoever then believes on him shall not perish. You can never please everybody. The sense, that's what the devil feeds you, even in that corner of the room. It makes you feel like you need to please people more. At the expense of your own joy. And you never see people feel real depressed. It's because, you know... We try to love ourselves. Try to love other people. You know, we are just like this is just like you are pushing. You came out of a cart or a cart or a, a go kart or something, or a, a uh, what's it called? Is it a trolley or something? You you come out of it and you start to push other people by trying to love other people at the expense of your own self. You are stressing yourself, trying to please other people. You know, you try to push them up a cliff. Try to push them, try to push them, try to push them, try to push them, try to push them. And now when it's your turn to be pushed, who will push you? Nobody. That's what depression does. It puts you in that position where you have, you cannot source anywhere for help. No help anywhere. That's what the devil makes you feel. No help anywhere. It it even tells you that God has abandoned you, that God has forgotten you, that you're a sinner who does not deserve to be saved. That God, even the devil tells you that you are not amongst those who God wants to save. And this, this, by the way, this attack of depression is not just from unbelievers. Remember I said, I could, my first example about myself was not from unbelievers. They were church members, by the way. Church people. So depression comes from anywhere. Anywhere. The devil uses people's actions. Even the way someone raises his eyebrows to look, to look at you, sometimes is a message the devil uses to pass condemnation, depression to you. Amen. That's what the devil does. He wants to feed you, you know, the tray of depression. He wants to feed you the tray of condemnation and all, and all sorts and all sorts and all sorts. That's what the devil does. That's his job. He wants to make you take your life makes you feel introspective. See, even people who have the Holy Spirit inside of them, how come this thing happens to them? You know, when you listen to the wrong teaching, they will, you have the Holy Spirit inside of you. The Holy Spirit was sent, the Bible says, in John, Jesus said in the book of John chapter 14, he says, the Holy Spirit shall yet teach, but he said the Holy Spirit, right, has come to glorify me. Jesus was saying that. That the Holy Spirit has come to announce him, to speak of nothing, not himself, but him, Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit has come to point you to who? Your himself? No. Yourself? No. People around you? No. 
to Jesus. Amen. So in times where you feel depressed, you feel condemned, you feel, you feel, uh, 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 with, you're, you're filled with doubts, of, uh, with anxiety, with stress and the rest, you feel condemned. Who do you look at? Your neighbor? No. Who do you look at? People around you? No. You look at Jesus. Amen. Amen. He's the author and finisher of your faith. Do not look at me. Do not look at Emmanuel. Do not look at me. Okay, look at me right now. Don't, don't take your eyes away. But I'm saying do not look at me. I am not the answer. Jesus is the answer. Amen. Amen. Glory to Jesus. Let me, let me tell you what. I was saying something earlier. I wrote it down, by the way. I was speaking with, I, I, I was speaking with God yesterday. And um, this is more, this is a very, it was a very interesting conversation, by the way. And I asked God, like I was saying earlier, what is the real what, what is the real reason? Okay, let me, let me read it as I wrote it, by the way. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> I said, while I was praying on the 24th of July, yesterday, for the message of the 20, 25th of um, July, 2020, that's today, I said, I asked God for what he really wants to communicate to his children, what the real message was. This is me and God. God bears me witness. For this, I want to say, and here's what God said. <clears throat> I want them to know that I am the way, the truth, and the life. That I want to comfort them. Amen. This is God talking. This is not Emmanuel. Glory to Jesus. He says, I want to comfort them. I want to put an end to their sorrows, pains, guilt, and condemnations. This is God talking. God says he wants to put an end to your guilt. Amen. Come on. He wants to put an end to your sorrows. Amen. amen. He wants to put an end to your fears. Amen. amen. He wants to put an end to your condemnations. Amen. 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 That's not all. <clears throat> then he says, I want to heal the wounds. Their wounds, sorry. God says, I want to heal their wounds. He's saying today, he wants to heal your wounds. Amen. 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 Wounds that over time, I've not been healed. God is saying he wants to heal them today. Amen. Don't look at people around you. Don't think you are, until you get a motivational speaker to speak to you and talk you out of it, blah, 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 blah. No. The answer even is not in your motivational speaker. The answer is who? Jesus. Call that name. Jesus. Call the name. Jesus. <coughs> Amen. Excuse me. See, one of the... Uh, one of the things God loved most about ladies that he created, I'll say it, is the fact that um, for ladies, right, if anything hurts them, you know, pains them, pricks them, you do something they don't like, you know what they do? They talk. <laughs> Amen. Amen. They talk. Anything they don't like, they talk. Anything they like, oh, I want ice cream. <laughs> they talk. They talk. Amen. Amen. But men, you know, they try to be the, they try to be the stronger, the, 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 the stronger fellow and uh, whatever, 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 sorry, whatever, whatever thing. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I was almost rapping, probably Eminem, you know. <clears throat> Amen. So men try to be the stronger one. So if anything, you know, you do something that you don't like, you hurt them, you, you say something, all they do is, <clears throat> I'm, sure, I'm sure Brother Abraham does that. You know, you do something that hurts him, you just, <clears throat> you know, you try to body it. <clears throat> That's what men do. <clears throat> Amen. Amen. You know, <laughs> amen. You just did it. <clears throat> amen. But to be honest, that is not what God wants. You know, we, you know, even this is it's funny enough. When it, if you look at how a woman talks to God, a woman who really understands grace, the message I preach, a woman who really understands, understands it. If you listen to how she prays, this is how she prays. She ident she you know she this has you hear something like father I'm praying for my family you know uh, Jimmy yesterday he lost his belt he's been forgetting things lately father please help him you know I pray for my son God my son uh, Billy you know he's been really playing around lately he's not been wearing clothes I don't know what is wrong with him help him father I pray for my daughter you know this girl she really loves fashion uh, help her father not to go go away with it and blah 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 they go they are very detailed Amen we well, go to the men. You hear something like, oh, dear Father Lord, I want to just thank you for my family. You know, we're doing real great. 
and um nothing 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 much to say but just want to say thank you and all yeah 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 thank you in jesus name i pray amen i'm not saying it is not it is bad to be grateful but god wants you to be detailed it is him you're talking to the reason sometimes god you know men go to god men who go to god like this god doesn't appreciate their prayers he does not like he doesn't answer them he doesn't really appreciate them because they feel they are self-sufficient when you go to god not pouring out everything to god god feels that you are self-sufficient sorry god feels you are self-sufficient amen God doesn't want you to be self-sufficient. <laughs> What's wrong with me? God doesn't want you to be self-sufficient. He wants you to be God-dependent. Amen. Amen. I got it. <clears throat> God doesn't want you self-sufficient. He wants you God-dependent. But faithful is he who has called you, for he will do it. He that has called you is dependable. If he has said it, he will do it. Glory to Jesus. So God doesn't want you self-sufficient even when you come to him. He wants you God-dependent. So he wants you to pour out everything, every detail. So when you're in the corner of the room that the devil has said to you, what do you do? Tell him. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. It's the friends that we have. Amen. And the song says, what a friend we have in Jesus. All our griefs and sins to bear. I made a mistake there. What a privilege to carry everything to God in prayer. Amen. Amen. Also, by the way, this is not part of what I plan to preach, but let me say this. Let me correct something about prayer. Amen. Prayer, the real meaning of prayer is communicating with God. Prayer doesn't need you to shake your head, shake your leg, shake your waist, shake your tummy, shake every organ in your body before God hears. Doing that, you're trying to tell God that he is someone who is tough to respond. If you are a person who thinks that until you shout before God hears you, you're trying to tell God that he has bad ears. You preach to people that they have to shout really loud before they can be saved. Then you are telling them that the name of Jesus is weak. Prayer is communicating with God, not with the pastor. I don't need to hear your voice before I know you pray. Amen. Amen. I'll say an example. This day I was, uh, uh, my early Christian days, I was walking to church one morning very early in the morning, past 5 a.m. I just felt like, you know, I, was, I had this, the zeal of the, of the Lord's house was upon me. It still is. Amen. So I was walking to church that day, and um, at night, it was, I think it was 5 or, or 6, I can't remember. While I was walking to church, I, I walked by, I walked past the house, right? And the window of this person's room was just near, close to the road, and I heard him praying. It's, it's quiet time. And he was speaking in tongues. And God bears me witness. I've always told this story to people who are close to me. I told them that I felt the presence of God just by passing. He didn't need to shout and let the whole world know he was praying. He didn't even need to speak words. Prayer, right, is communicating with God. If you see me, if you see me pray, I... I if I, was, if, I, if I want to pray with you, the only thing I do is a prayer of thanksgiving. Because I know that God, every, see, if God reveals something to you, and uh, maybe it's something, something really bad, and I'm saying God, not the devil, by the way. If God reveals something to you, and um, you see, mm, this is real bad. What God wants you to do, right, at that point, is to thank him for his handling it already. Amen. Amen. So he wants to acknowledge it. By shaking your leg and shaking your liver? No. By thanking him. Amen. Amen. So that is what prayer really is. That's the real definition of prayer. Communicating with God. People who are depressed, people who are depressed cannot pray shaking their liver. Come on. Where do they have the strength? They've cried out all their soul. They've cried all their soul out, all their strength. They have deep sunken eyes already. Where do you want? What? You want them to go 
to stop praying, shaking everything. Come on, no, they cannot. When Peter and Jesus were on the water, Matthew 14, and Peter tells to started to sink. I said it in one of my messages, hanging out to God's word. You should get it. I said that when we start to look away from when we look away from Christ, I start to look at look at the problems that we have in this world, we start to sink. Sink into what? Depression. Amen. We start to sink into depression. That is what it does. That is what uh, uh, um, the, the devil does. The moment our focus is taken away from Jesus, depression sets in. Depression. 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 Amen. That's what the devil does. Now, the moment we start to sink into it, into depression, the moment we start to sink into it, into it, just like Peter. Peter looked at Jesus. After, after he was sinking, Jesus did not come. See, Jesus wants to come. But Jesus is someone who is a, very, is a gentleman. Take it that way. He does not enter what he's not invited into. So Jesus was there looking at Peter. Peter was sinking. What did Peter do? He cried out. Save me. He cried out. That's what Christ wants you to do. Cry out. Cry out doesn't mean... Shout out. Cry out means let your heart be aligned with the words that comes out of your mouth at that very minute. And let it be aligned with God. That is how you cry out. Cry out also means to shed those tears, not just those tears alone, to speak those words. Father, I need you. You depressed, say, God, I need you. My heart is broken. Father, help me. I cannot do it on my own. Save me. That is how you cry out to Jesus. That's, what you, that's just what you do in those, time, those kind of times. I'm not done with what God told me. But I, when, there's, there's somewhere I want to reach before I, I, I finish it. So, you, you know, you're not going to say, cry, cry out to him. Say, Lord, save me. Save me. I cannot do this on my own. Amen. Amen. When you cry out, he's coming to save you. Amen. Amen. God wants to save you. In fact, it is God's greatest love that everybody comes to the light of his saving grace. Amen. Do not let anybody talk you into depression. This is something that people make you... And how do, whenever you hear people who condemn you, who judge you, run. In fact, this is, take it from Emmanuel. Run from them. People who make you feel introspective, who make you feel like you are failed, who make you focus on your failure, instead of focusing on the, chance you, the chances you have on becoming better, I'm talking like a motivational speaker here, on becoming better, people like that run from them. Amen. Christ wants you to focus on him. Amen. Amen. Only in your focus, on your, in your focusing on God, can you actively and properly and healthily focus on things that matter. Only on your, your focus on God can you focus on your academics well. Only when you focus on God can you focus on even your marital life well. For married people, not for people who are not married. Only in your, in your focusing on God, right, can you even focus on that relationship. Healthy relationship in court. Amen. Amen. Only in focusing on God. Many people try, struggle hard to love themselves, even love people around them at the same time. And it becomes like a, but even love God. People try to love God, love themselves, love people around them at the same time. And everything is just weighing in or weighing down their hearts, their souls, their spirit. They cannot do it. You know, they start to stagger. I cannot, I cannot, I cannot do it anymore. It is because you're doing it on your own strength. So next time the devil comes at you in the corner of your room and tells you, you failed. Tell him, yes, I failed because I tried it on my own strength. But next time I'm, I'm rising up from this corner of the room and I'm not doing it on my own strength. I'm going to succeed in it. In my academics, I am going to succeed. Why? Because I am doing it on God's own wings of love for me. Amen. Every first scripture, 1 John 4, 17 says, Hearing... <coughs> Is our love made manifest? Only in God's love can you define your love for yourself. You can never love yourself enough. Trust me. You can never love yourself enough. 
Until you know how much God loves you, only then can you love yourself enough. Amen. Amen. Only then can you even love others around you. Most people, this is, this is even to people who handle relationships and they are really unhealthy ones. Most people bank on, most people are not, they have found it difficult to love themselves enough and they want to love others. They want to love that boy, they want to love that girl and they have not found enough space to love themselves. That relationship is bound to crash. It is bound to just, just boom, crash. Amen. Amen. The only love, kind of love, that is going to stand the test of time is the love that is built on the foundation of God's love. Only in God's love is your own love for yourself and people around you. Only in that God's love is it made manifest. In God's love, see hearing, first John 4, 17, hearing is our love made manifest. That as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. Amen. So completing what um, I said God told me, let me run through it. Hopefully we'll continue this um, next week. <clears throat> it says, I want to heal their wounds. I am the balm in Gilead. Amen. Amen. I want their joy to be full. Amen. I want them to know that I am restoring all that they have lost in time and in any minutes from now. Amen. Amen. For I love them. Glory to Jesus. Amen. Those were God's exact words to me yesterday. He says he loves you so dearly. God is the only, see, God is the only one who restores in abundance. Amen. Amen. I've been talking for well over five minutes now. We've not opened one Bible scripture. Someone might say, oh, you've not opened the Bible. You're talking heresy. Finally, let's open the scripture. Amen. Join me quickly. As we dwell, as we swim right into the foundation of all truth, which is the Bible. The book of Joel. Joel. No, Joel, sorry. Not Joel, like Superman. <coughs> Joel. Not the Joel in Smallville. Joel chapter 2 Joel chapter 2 and in verse verse 25 Joel is right before Amos and right after Hosea those are two scriptures, even two books of the Bible, people still don't know where they are (coughs) I can see someone in front of me who doesn't know where those books are Um, okay, it's just just about four four books before um, Malachi (coughs) there around are we there? Joel chapter 2 and in verse 25. Amen. We still haven't found it. Wow. So nobody's got iPads or an iPad here or an iPod. Nobody can just come here and say, Pastor, Pastor, what are you talking about? Man? Nobody? Oh, bro. This is bad. Joel. Let me spell it for you. J-O-E-L. Joel. Not the one in Smallville. Joel. Nobody. Oh, my God. Are you there? Oh, finally. Finally. Uh, I think I need to... I need to <laughs> Someone's still flipping. <laughs> Joel is just right after Ozia. Right? Yeah. And just before Amos. Are we, are we there? So people are not going to be there and just going to open... They're going to open John. <laughs> I guess staring at the Bibles right now. <laughs> Amen. All right, Joel chapter 2 and verse 25 to 26. I read, it says, And I will restore to you the years that the locust had eaten, the canker worm and the caterpillar and the palmer worm. I'm sorry, my great army which I sent among you. Verse 25, 26 rather, then says, And ye shall eat in plenty. Amen. I mean, someone will say amen. 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 Ye shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. Amen. 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 Be satisfied. Satisfied here in Hebrew means seba. Amen. amen. Which means to have in excess, to have in abundance. 
and to have continually glory to Jesus. So Christ wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. We're not done. God wants to bless you in abundance. Abundance, rather. In excess. The Bible says that God is the one who shall exceeding abundantly bless. Amen. God is one who doesn't just see everything you have lost. You, all those years, do you know that uh, all the years you've lost in the past, you can never have them back? The, lo- the, the, the years you lost in that corner of your room, you know, depressed and all, you can never have them back. Probably the friends you even lost in time and due to occurrences and stuff like that, you know, you're lonely and all sorts. Most of those friends, you might never have them back. True. But here's what God is saying God is saying that He shall restore you. Amen. All the years, all the times that the locust worm, the canker worm, and the palmer worm have eaten. Amen. Yeah. The years the devil has so toiled with your faith. Those times he spent troubling you. Those times he spent keeping you in the corner of the room. God said that he shall restore you. Amen. Yeah. God wants to restore you so badly, so dearly. He shall satisfy you. That is in excess, in abundance, continually. That, well, that's what it means in the Hebrew. Amen. Amen. Then verse 26, continually, sorry. And you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied, and praise the name of the Lord your God that has dealt wondrously with you. Amen. Amen. Wondrously here in the Hebrew also means something powerful. Just like the other one, this one says, the satisfied is Seba. In, wondrously, yeah, even in the Hebrews mean, Hebrew rather means Pela. That's P-E-L-A, Pela. Amen. And it means surpassing and even extraordinarily. Amen. God is saying he's going to bless you. He's going to deal with you surpassingly and extraordinarily. Amen. All those times you're, the devil wants to keep you in that corner. God says he's not going to leave you there. Cry up, call upon him today. He's going to lift you there and he's going to restore to you in quantity and in quality. Excessively in abundance. Amen. Amen. Now for if you're someone who you've probably lost, probably lost your wife as a man, God is not going to give you seven wives. Amen. Amen. If you, you probably lost a friend, a brother, or whatever thing. Uh, last week I had a, we received a call at home and um, we lost... Someone so painful, these things are wounds that nobody can feel. But God is saying <clears throat> that He is going to give you someone who's going to play the role of that person you have lost in a very excellent way and even more than you expect. Amen. Amen. That thing you have lost, you thought you've lost your joy. God is saying, is saying that He shall give you your joy and even give you more in abundance and in excess in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. So, what does God want you to do? He wants you to just cry out to him and he shall deliver you and he shall show you his salvation amen, amen. salvation you know we all preach salvation as um, being eternally you know saved that's in hell forever and stuff like that but um, <clears throat> in the greek there are two there are two people uh they have individual lexicons that um, they have um, two brilliant minds in the greek and um, the first is Thea, the other is Vine. They have their own dictionaries that define most of the words used in them. Um, they define the words used in the sorry, New Testament, in the Greek, because the New Testament was written in the Greek. And I want, I want you to look at their definitions of, of salvation. The salvation we all know, being saved you know, eternally and the, and the likes, that is actually like their thought, yeah? That was their thought definition of salvation. It didn't come first or second. Now let's look at Thea. Sorry, vine first. Vine's definition of salvation, salvation in the Greek, soteria, from the root word sozo, to save. Sozo means save. Salvation, soteria. Amen. Amen. According to vine, it means of material and temporal deliverance from danger and apprehension. Amen. Temporal, from, from, of material, listen to this, of material and temporal deliverance from danger and apprehension. Meaning God wants to save you 
from temporal, temporal, that means things in this world, from attacks in this world, depressions in this world, condemnating words, accusations, pointing fingers, tongues that only speak evil of you. God says he is going to deliver you from all of that. Amen. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Not only that, there's another professor like I spoke about. His name is Thea. And yes, his definition about it. The first thing he defined as so defines salvation to be is deliverance from the molestation of enemies. Amen. So God is saying he wants to deliver you from those molestations. Sometimes you just wake up and the devil starts to mess with your mind. You know, you don't even know where you're at, your heads are anymore. You know, just wake up and be like, I don't know where my heads are, you know, I feel incomplete and stuff like that. You know, it messes with your feelings, it messes with your emotions. I said, it, I, said, I said it last week, if I'm not mistaken, that the devil moves in the realm of feelings God moves in the realm of faith. Amen. Amen. So the devil so, you know, messes with your feelings and messes with your head, your mind, and you just... Everything just... You don't even know what to do. Amen. God is saying he's delivering you and saving you from the molestation of the enemies. In the name of Jesus Christ. He's delivering you permanently. Totally from the molestation, from the, you know, people are being molested by the devil. He said, oh, pastor, you know, I came, I was sleeping last night, and the devil came to tickle my toes. And the devil came to strangle me. I was, ah, ah, ah. <laughs> you're dreaming, and you're like, you couldn't shout Jesus. <laughs> Amen. Molestation of the enemy. God says he's going to deliver you from all of that. He says he's going to restore unto you. It is only God that can grant perfect healing. Full, total healing. He's going to deliver you, save you, rescue you, and deliver you from all pain. In the name of Jesus Christ. Wow, I've exceeded time a lot. <laughs> Amen. I will have to continue next week. Amen. <laughs> Amen. <clears throat> let's continue next week. Um, let's, be, let's be on our feet. Amen. <clears throat> First thing I would love us to know this hour is that number one, God doesn't want you in the corner of your room, shedding tears, depressed. God wants you, like I said that God said, He wants your joy to be full. Amen. He wants you to be happy at all times. At all times, rather. Now the devil wants to molest you, he wants to steal your joy. The devil wants to make you feel less than you actually are. What God is saying is that He wants you more. He has made you more. And He shall restore unto you all the time that we can't go on eating. In abundance, in excess, and continually, non-stop. In the name of Jesus Christ. Bless the name of the Lord for the word that we have received. Father, we thank you for your word come to life. With all eyes closed, all heads bowed. I want you to, in your heart to just connect with every soul, everyone around you, listening around the world. Even you yourself, all places, all your wounds, I just want you to reflect on all of those things and those times now. Times where you've had reasons and cause, <clears throat> excuse me, to think of yourself as a failure. Those times where you've just had doubts of your own self. <clears throat> times when even like me, you've thought of committing suicide, you know. You just, you just lost the grip of yourself, lost the grip of it, lost the grip of life. I want you to just reflect on those times now. God wants to heal and all of those times. Even people around the world, think of the level of pain in people's hearts right now. Think of how bad people think of themselves, how introspective people are of themselves. Just think of all of those. Think of it. Think of it. Now in your hearts, in one accord, Father, we pray that everyone going through some kind of pain, damnation, failure, condemnation, depression, whatever thing, whatever wounds of the past that people that the people are currently going through that has not been healed over time, for time cannot heal wounds indeed. Father, even the wounds in the hearts, time cannot heal. Only you can, for you are the bomb in Gilead. Father, we ask and we pray in one accord that Father, in your mercy, you heal their wounds. Father, we pray that in your mercy, Father, as the bomb in Gilead, that Lord, you, you, you satisfy them just like He is in the Greek saber, to, to satisfy them in excess, in abundance, and continually. The Father, that they come to the light of your salvation. 
that they learn to cry out, Abba, Father, why have you so loved me? Abba, Father, why have you so blessed me? In the name of Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word come to life. We bless your name, O oh God. Lift up your right hands to heaven to everybody. Say, Lord Jesus, I thank you for your life and your love that you have showered upon me. For I do not deserve it. I do not work for it. I do not merit it on any scale. But it is grace, undeserved, unmerited favor. I thank you for this opportunity, for this life. For indeed, from now on, it is no longer I who lives, but Christ that lives in me. It is no longer I who lives, but Christ that lives in me. For his death and crucifixion sorry, and resurrection on the cross of Calvary and from the grave has availed to me the position of the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. Hallelujah. Thank you for joining us. We'd love to hear from you. Stay in your eyes. Stay in your eyes. Amen.